coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. One of the big questions, or I think one of the big reveals or the big things in the 2022 season is going to be the effect of quarterback on wide receiver and the effect of wide receivers on quarterbacks. I think this is fairly well established on, you know, Twitter, or at least is in my little bubble, but I'm not sure how aware uh, you are or anyone else is, but it's going to be one of the big storylines. And one of the reasons it might be one of the big storylines is it has so little effect based on all the trades and major changes that have gone on in the NFL this season, which will be just as impressive in terms of developing a process or projecting in the future or understanding moves in the future as if everything changes because of the various different wide receiver, tight end and quarterback movements we've seen this off season. To be clear, I think this is actually a really interesting underlying understanding of what we should or can expect to happen when players move around. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo. Lazy and to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I grind my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on heat When the mass not adding up You said I'm checking out I'm just finally working to the ground Now if you go back in the Dynasty Crossroads history long enough And it's not that long ago, a year or two I spent, um, because I argue mostly with this uh, Zach Reed as well uh, from the Dynasty Dummies podcast who comes on this podcast all the time check him out obviously but Jacob Rickroad's a guy I know in at least in terms of established history of being good at fantasy football he's one of the OGs of winning big stakes tournaments kind of a players and I really enjoy his process I've learned a lot from it disagree with him fairly often which is one of the most fun things to do to argue with someone that you know is probably smarter and knows things that you don't but like it's fun to argue with them occasionally when you get things right as well because that's honestly the fun of fantasy football to me it's that you can do your own research you can figure out what you think and if you play smart and take few shots but hit at a high rate you, you can honestly do that. You can beat someone who's better. <laughs> and I love that. It's not just variance. It's weeding out the noise to find out the things that you can find to believe in that are true, knowing what they mean and trying to apply them into these individual situations where honestly, it's mostly you get lucky or you don't. But we like I like to believe some of it was foresight, but whatever. 
Um, so where am I? Yeah, QBs mattering and wide receivers mattering to QBs. Is gen- there's going to be a lot of information to process from the 2022 season, no matter what happens to help us with that. Partly because there have been so few big movements in terms of seeing different good wide receivers and different quote-unquote bad wide receivers play with different quarterbacks, again, good and bad. We see bad quarterbacks move around a lot. You very relatively rarely see good wide receivers or good quarterbacks move around and very rarely in tandem. So the one that's been on my mind, because I think it's the example of, hey, quarterback matters, and also big quarterback moving, like Russell Wilson to uh, Denver is obviously the big one that I'm framing this research and this question around. Um, but the one in history, the only one I can really think of, and Peyton Manning going to Indianapolis after a severe injury where uh, it, it's it. It's the example. And it's the one that Jacob Rickroad is rolling out right now. And if you go back, that's what I was saying. Go back in Dynasty Crossroads audience uh, history long enough, you find I argue with it on Twitter a lot about how much quarterbacks matter and how Derek Carr didn't make Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper helped make Derek Carr, and I think I've been proven right in that particular instance, more than not. And Murray Cooper was struggling, moves to Dallas, still a top 24 wide receiver. Easy, very, very, very talented one. Derek Carr's wide receiver too, less less so, I think we should admit, less so than Amari Cooper. But Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning occupy a level of quarterback talent, which isn't just above replacement and decent, and the big thing about Derek Carr at the time was Derek Carr supported two top 24 wide receivers before. There's relatively few quarterbacks that do that. And my point was relatively few quarterbacks have have had Amari Cooper. But um, anyway, we've got off point. Yeah, he was willing to come onto the podcast and we kind of argued it out live to very little conclusion because there are so few examples and my process mostly relies on everything I just said. So it's more, I think there's, I think there's a vast gray area in here, and so I get to just say the opposite of what is commonsensically, I guess, logically true, which is good quarterbacks make wide receivers good. Mainly because we're mostly dealing this with rookies, and Peyton Manning actually offers a really good example of how he didn't make Reggie Wayne great. He actually broke out relatively late to most wide receivers, um, and it seems to be definitely a function of him as much as anyone else, but I don't think we're even going to get into this because i got 30-minute episodes. I don't want to do a three-part series where I look at one team and the other team. So I guess I'll do the overview of the question and maybe we'll return to it if I can't get it into 30 minutes. And I've already spent 10 minutes ranting about the question. Anyway, go check out that episode with Jacob because it's good, honestly. And I really enjoyed our conversation. But this year, let's frame it around... What did Peyton Manning do? What were his receiving options? Can I see anything that fits my narrative? Because it's all narrative when you're talking about this individual context. And it's the other thing. It's it's where I know I'm that nerds or data miss because it's where I have felt myself missing over and over again because it's hard to build in context when you're trying to look at overall trends or, or play it through a, a data perspective. And one of the great ones, let's just start from the top, and maybe I'll get to the subject, the stuff I was, I've been researching all week, and why this podcast is late this week, there's always a reason, and is uh, similarities with Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Demarius Thomas, and um, 
Emmanuel Sanders or Eric Decker for that matter, um, are striking and dissimilar in, in some really interesting ways. The trend, what I know is true, like if this trade hadn't taken place, it's time to bail out on Cortland Sutton about a year ago, maybe two, and Jerry Judy, yeah, it's time to bail. He hasn't done it soon enough. He's well past his career arc. He's good in the NFL, but it's not happening. But Wilson changes things. <laughs> Russell Wilson being in Denver and being exceptional level good. I don't want to talk about quarterback stats. Can we just accept Russell Wilson is a different kind of cat than Derek Carr? Can I not? Quarterbacks are not my jam. It It's big enough that even me as a non-quarterback whisperer and non-narrative based player is going okay well that's a thing that's a thing I need to make up my mind about in 2020 like you need to decide if you haven't already whether you go pay for these two very unlikely breakouts based on their own career history not because they haven't been good but because that's where the average puts you that's where the trend line puts you and there's a fallacy of the average and also but there's a consistency and persistency my new phrase of trends of how wide receivers continue to perform without drastic change. But the thing is, Russell Wilson going to Denver not only defines a drastic change, it's a very specific drastic change that we know can have effect and is in this murky gray area where honestly, yeah, anything could be true. Like there's not enough, there's not enough in a game where there's almost never enough. So why? One, if you should know why Jerry Judy and Cortland Sun are in that, like go watch my wide receiver video or the seven podcasts I've done on that breakout trends and breakout rates on YouTube or on this podcast or get in the Discord, dang it, and we'll talk it out again because it's actually a pretty funny conversation, but I'm running out of time here. They represent just a quintessential get out while people are still convincing themselves that sleepers are good are a good idea. Russell Wilson turns turning up literally makes me want to be what ordinarily would be that fishy-like move where like, ooh, he's been good though, he just needs a better situation maybe next year. All of a sudden missed basically his whole third year. Come on, you can't judge him the same way you judge literally every other wide receiver. And my answer is usually, yeah, I, I, I'm going to judge him like a wide receiver. Briefly, <laughs> talk about the history of Peyton Manning. And here's a fun thing about Peyton Manning. He was playing long enough in the NFL that my 20-so-odd year history doesn't go back to the start of his career. It starts in 2000. He starts before that. And in the 15 seasons I have in my data set, he was in the top 12 14 times and it was only not in the top 12 that very last year when he won a Super Bowl and was absolutely abysmal by all accounts um, and he was in the top 5 12 times like for fantasy it, like if there's a Mount Rushmore Peyton Manning made it hard to understand that quarterbacks don't matter in single quarterback leagues like that's how good Peyton Manning was like, J.J. Zacharyson got pushback when he pointed out the very obvious fact that at this point that you shouldn't draft quarterbacks in the first round. Like, he had to fight against that because, essentially, because of Peyton Manning. Like, there's no understating how important Peyton Manning was in fantasy or drastically important his points seemed because they were so consistent and such a high level. And he didn't even rush, guys. <laughs> So let's start from the top. Between 2000 and 2015, Peyton Manning played for two different... 
I'm going to do it through touchdown rake. So one thing I do know through fighting with Jacob is essentially the one area where we can seem to see where there's some level of influence, DJ Moore style, is that quarterbacks seem to have a drastic effect on wide receivers' touchdown rates, if nothing else. Or vice versa, but mostly even I'm willing to accept quarterback and touchdown is a much stronger relationship than wide receiver and a touchdown. So touchdown rate. Yards per touchdown is my preference preferred one because it's lit and you should like it too yards per touchdown makes much more sense to me so in indianapolis peyton manning averaged between 2000 and 2010 133 yards for every touchdown that's rushing or passing both yards and touchdowns and that's a top 12 level throughout that entire time like the average top 12 quarterback throws or runs for a touchdown every 130 yards peyton manning consistently did that over that 11-year span, that's 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 God-tier level production, honestly. To be that consistently in having an above top 12 quarterback average, it's great. And remember, he's finishing in the top five most years. So just assume he's top five until that last year, and you're good. And he had some great players during that time. Reggie Wayne, one of the most consistent top five wide receivers we've seen, especially in this era from 2000 to 2015. Um, a couple of great running backs, in fact, primarily one. Tight ends that consistently finished at least top 15. Um, and maybe I'll run through some of those as well, because I have. I've screenshotted every single year, because at this point, I'm the conspiracy gif in real life. Anyway, he goes to Denver, and he averages another great touchdown rate. But he averages at 112 yards, not including that last year, per touchdown. So his touchdown rate, his personal touchdown rate, improves when he goes to Denver. Now, for me, my first read, because I'm biased and this is all gray space, is clearly having Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Julius Thomas, and Emmanuel Sanders eventually in 2014, was it? No, 2012 he shows up. No, 2013. I remember in a second. Those players were better for Manning, and that there's a clear signal that the the skill players matter because Peyton Manning has great skill position players in Indianapolis. He's consistently top five quarterback, and yet he does even better when he goes and meets Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and Eric Decker to start off with, and Julius Thomas for a couple of years as well. In fact, he was also principally why there was, and still is, a large contingent of people that think tight ends and quarterbacks have a very strong relationship. No, Peyton Manning and good players have an amazingly strong relationship. All right, so that's my takeaway, that actually, while Peyton Manning does help, the players also help him. Now, that's really weird when you're talking about Marvin Harris and Reggie Wayne and Edgren, whoever the... I forget the running back's name. Because those are all really established great players, right? And the other element of it is that Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker, if I remember right, and definitely Emmanuel Sanders because he was in Pittsburgh for a while before he came to join Denver and meet up with... uh, Meet up with... We haven't even got to Wes Welke yet. um, Met Peyton Manning in terms of a football career. Um, neither of them had DT and Sanders, the two that we primarily talk about most of the time. Don't know why Wes Walker existed, but there you go. Um, had not scored a top 24 season before Peyton Manning arrived. 
So my solution is to the average is true, but in extreme situation changes, quarterbacks and wide receivers who are both good can do drastically different things than their typical career out with said. Now, nothing drastically changed for Peyton Manning. He continued to remain a top one to three QB apart from that last year. And, you know, drastically affect our understanding of how much the quarterback position matters in fantasy. Demarius Thomas was literally not a top 36 wide receiver before Manning to- showed up, and he played several years. Sanders sat behind, there was a, a Antonio Brown and Manuel Sanders, who's going to be the guy? And then eventually Antonio Brown gets committed to, and Sanders, you know, finds his wings under Peyton Manning in Denver, as I remember the story. I'm not even going to do Eric Decker, we just don't have time. That's just touchdown rate. If I look at expected points performance, which I have a metric for, it's just looking at the percentage of expected points that you actually score on a year-to-year basis. There's an interesting trend in Indianapolis with Reggie Wayne, who does the, he turns up in 2001. He really breaks into the top 24 by 2002. I could go look, but that would take time. In year four, I believe, he breaks into the top 12 for the first time. And the thing is, you can drastically see that effect in Peyton Manning's performance. Before that, he has great players. He's finishing in the top five, everything else. But when Reggie Wayne breaks into the top 12, along with Marvin Harrison, who's consistently been in the top 12 before that, Peyton Manning's expected points performance leaps to over 40%. That looks consistent with what happens when he gets to Denver and mates up with Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, and then Manuel Sanders. So I think it's very difficult to untangle who's causing what here. That's why there's a lot of gray spaces, and the fact we have so few examples makes it intricately more difficult to try to look for trends to see who is causing what. We know what stats which players typically own and produce are in ownership of. A dot tends to be a wide receiver stat, unless you're Robbie Anderson, because we do know there are exceptions to those. But I do think you can see a drastic increase, even in Peyton Manning's performance, even though he's still finishing in top five by the time he gets to Denver, because of that expected performance shooting up to a similar range as when he had both Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne peak career going off in the top 12. Now, obviously, he's helping them get to the top 12, but the fact he was doing that before and not outproducing expected points as far as he was until both of them were in their prime and scoring top 12 seasons. And then that compares well to this lower touchdown rate. And during that time, Peyton Manning's um, touchdown to yards ratio drops in that 2004 when Wayne really bursts out onto his scene, his biggest season, he was top 24 the previous year. That's the year his yards per touchdowns in Indianapolis drops below 100. There's one other year he got there, and that's in 2013. Yeah, in 2014 in Denver, he's got both Eric Decker and Demarius Thomas finishing inside the top 12, Wes Welker finishing inside the top 24, because Peyton Manning's like the quarterback who made that happen that one time, or that two or three times, and Julius Thomas going outside in the top 12. Now, piecing that all together in pure context narrative form, Peyton Manning is able to perform even better when he has multiple players who are exceptional on the same depth chart. He's not making them, although he does definitely drastically improve the ability for wide receivers to score touchdowns versus, you know, Derek Carr or Trevor Simeon or whatever they actually evolved into because my mind's failing at this point. They are also having an effect on him. 
Now, does that compare directly to Russell Wilson? No, because he has actually consistently been a top 12 quarterback without, for the majority of the time, top 12 players. Doug Baldwin managed it once. We've seen um, Tyler Lockett finish inside the top 13 once. Jimmy Graham actually had two top five tight end seasons with him, and that was fun because the year before that happened, I was pointing out that Jimmy Graham going to Seattle means that Seattle now has a top five tight end, not New Orleans. That was honestly the level we are at at that point. Everyone thought Drew Brees was what made the top five tight end. What am I trying to describe here? There is an interrelationship. Russell Wilson is probably going to perform as well as he has. I don't think it's about, oh, they get to pass a bunch more. Russell Wilson definitely adds with his legs. And I don't know what the scheme's going to look like. They might pass more, but I'm not expecting him to pass over what Peyton Manning was able to achieve in Denver. I think he's going to be exceptionally good, remain a potential top five quarterback as he's been in Seattle. And his wide receivers and tight ends are going to help him do that. And he is now entering a system with two underperforming wide receivers that have actually shown distinct signs of being capable, which both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders had done before they met Peyton Manning. Like, Demarius Thomas consistently had two yards per route run, which is a very significant threshold. And he was playing 14, 15, 16 game seasons, and yet not finishing inside the top 36. Interestingly enough, if you look at his stats, you can't really see where the change is outside the fact the amount of volume he was getting as a wide receiver one in Denver when Peyton Manning shows up expands. He continues to perform exceptionally well. The touchdown rate goes up because Peyton Manning is helping out with that. And Demarius Thomas is getting more touches because the ball is moving more efficiently and more often down the field. So it's really just volume that shows up for Demarius Thomas. Before that point, he's still actually performing at a pretty consistent level on a, a per-touch basis before that, and Peyton Manning makes a difference. Now, Manuel Sanders is a little bit of a different story. He's scoring around 1.3, 1.4 yards per route run. And I'm defaulting that because I'm just tired of fighting the crowd here where yards per team pass attempt, which would be really good right now, by the way, because you could go back in Peyton Manning's history instead of just topping out because yards per route run starts in 2009 because no one was counting routes before that time. But anyway, yards per route run is what everyone likes, so let's use it. Um... Emmanuel Sanders is topping out at like 1.3, 1.4 yards per round run, which is actually distinctly below average for a wide receiver, especially after their rookie season. Like Rondell Moore, who everyone's giving up with, I happen to know because I was doing research on him recently, had 1.6 yards per round run in his rookie season, and everyone thinks he did terrible when that's actually the average. Anyway. So Emmanuel Sanders wasn't as performing as well until he met Peyton Manning, but they've also got an all whole bunch of context around that because he was fighting on the depth chart with draft capital about against Antonio Brown, who turned out to be one of the most prolific wide receiver producers ever as well. Speaking of Peyton Manning, Antonio Brown basically that for wide receiver. So Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, ultimately the story is, don't make a direct comparison. No one compares well to Demarius Thomas, who has that sheer top 12 performance, but not 12, top 12 scoring. In fact, not scoring inside the top 36 before he gets a quarterback. Cortland Sutton is the closest, but one of those years he only played one game, and he only hit two yards per route run barely in that second year when he blew up to be a top 24 wide receiver after fairly disappointing, but okay, rookie season. And then last year happens, and uh, that's bad too. But yeah, if the size-ists of the world are actually probably getting it fairly right, where Sutton compares best to Demarius Thomas, 
and Judy compares best to Emmanuel Sanders or Tyler Lockett. And it's underrated, by the way, how much Russell Wilson has utilized the slot. Just look at Tyler Lockett's stats. They're not the same as Jerry Judy's, but they are highly comparable. The idea that Judy is out because he doesn't work downfield, it's just wrong. Russell Wilson can definitely make a a wide receiver who has been working in the area of the field Judy has, epically prolific. Now, the thing with Judy is he's literally never scored inside the top 36, and he, like Emmanuel Sanders before Peyton Manning turned up, um, has been struggling uh, a little bit on a per-attempt performance. Um, but in yards per out run basis, um, he has not been hitting that two yards per out run threshold. He's been fluctuating between... 1.6 and 1.8 which is actually very decent again 1.6 is actually the average 1.8 is good and again those pff grades and all the other per attempt bases seem to indicate that he's actually performing consistently well like thomas was just not at the same level as demarius thomas and because he has such a high slot rate his slot rate actually runs between 33 percent 33% and 76% in his first and second seasons, so immensely high this last year, which is actually probably a way that quarterback affects positions too. Good players who play close, play that high volume role in the middle of the field tend to get exponentially higher uh, slot rates in struggling or conflicted situations. I think that's partly what happened with Rondell Moore as well last year because he was averaging 77% slot rate from PFF. But Jerry Judy's stats compare relatively well, and I would... Like, there, there are comparisons here in terms of players who are outperforming their overall scoring, which is usually how we look through it through a, through a fantasy lens, and why these two should fall out the breakout potential category and do in my typical. But both of them are performing well in terms of routes, in terms of snaps, in terms of a per snap, per route, or per team attempt basis. They've actually been outperforming where they're scoring. And Russell Wilson is a different level of quarterback. So we could definitely see a similar effect Russell Wilson had on um, uh, Demarius Thomas and uh, Eric Decker and Emmanuel Sanders as we could see with Russell Wilson um, and Colton Sutton. Will it happen? Here's the the bottom line, since I'm running out of time here, is that Colton Sutton and Russell Wilson is not Peyton Manning. Entirely different quarterback. um, And no one's Peyton Manning, just... Just no one is Peyton Manning in terms of his ability to play on the field, the way he plays on the field, and also how he produces fantasy points. That's not it. But the closest parallel to that, closest to that level of quarterback accuracy and overall ability to create... Russell Wilson touchdown rate, by the way, I measure it. I've been told it's close but below Peyton Manning's. I measure it as higher than Peyton Manning's before this move um, to Denver. So yeah, it, it's put up or shut up season. It, like it's definitely getting to it. Normally we get to that after the draft, but this is an, an and it's not just Denver and it's not just Seattle. There's decisions to make about Noah Fant. There's decisions to make about Albert Wilson as well. Albert O, which we're not even gonna. I'm not gonna even be able to get in here today, except for the fact I think Noah Fant's underrated, and I'm kind of excited about Albert O. But I would value him as a top 15 tight end which is almost nothing but a second year streamer is not nothing i'd value him as a second round pick in a dynasty league if i was looking for one of those streaming tight ends to add to my depth chart that could see a value increase because he could i went into it anyway there you go it's it, that's not the only situation where that's going to matter this year we have to consider tyree kill who i think can definitely help to a tonga vailoa whereas i think patrick mahomes can help juju smith schuster and it's all part of the same reasoning in this large gray area of 
of we don't know. And actually, that does give me a segue back to the subject of today, which is I think everyone's going to be talking about scheme and fit and Jerry Judy running in the slot. And I think they think they know more about football than I would ever possibly pretend to. I don't. And I definitely don't know that much about how well these individual people are going to meet together and work and how well they're going to execute. The idea Russell Wilson throws downfield, therefore Cortland Sutton's going to be the one to break out. Like, do you think Russell Wilson's only good at that? Do you think he's a good quarterback with exceptional metrics and a higher touchdown rate than Peyton Manning before he went to Denver because he throws downfield good? You don't think that accuracy exists when it's not 20 feet down the field? I mean, that just seems that just seems false to me. Like, he's a good quarterback, isn't he's a good quarterback at doing one thing? We're not talking about a player who excels because he's exceptional at a specific scheme. We're talking about his accuracy and his ability to process a game to know when he can throw certain throws. In that way, he does kind of compare to Peyton Manning. This isn't a quarterback who just throws the ball downfield real far. He's a guy who does that incredibly accurately, and he's also been doing that incredibly accurately across the, f- the middle of the field, hence Tyler Lockett racking up the kind of stats he has. And the other element of this is why would you limit players you've only seen with bad quarterbacks not being able to go down the field? Nothing from Jerry Judy's college production or even his NFL production suggests he can't have that element to his game as well. I think the conversation is largely going to be, and making decisions, yes or no, in a few weeks, pretty soon, Especially before the season starts, I think this conversation is going to heat up in most circles, if it already hasn't in yours. It's going to be based on things that I honestly, I don't believe we can know any of this. But the closest I can get is that quarterbacks matter to wide receivers and tight ends and running backs, and vice versa is also true. But what you have with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, either one that's cheapest, by the way, Either one that's cheapest. And Russell Wilson is... A, and even Albert, frankly, are three players who seem to be outperforming what their scoring seems to suggest because of their, their, limited, their limits in their situation. So the most common sense approach, I, as a non-genius who knows the, does not know the future, can think is this is going to go well. I mean... Yeah, it's kind of put up or shut up season. And I think this is a thing you should really make the call on right now. Like I say, I'm preferring Jerry Judy. And so far, I'm having no luck, by the way. The people in your leagues might... But it feel the other court players I'm trying to trade for, uh, like Sutton, Rondell Moore. I'm finding some luck with Rondell Moore. A little bit of luck with Devontae Smith. But it's taken a lot of effort. Marcus Brown. Marcus Brown might be the closest comparison here, which is weird because that means he's undervalued because he should be higher than this tier of players. But um, make up your own mind. I know this is a fairly rambling podcast. Believe me, I've been, I'd be more direct if I could, but it's very much a you run your eyes over the situation. You try to bring it back to the broad understanding of the position. That That's what I'm doing anyway. And it's there's still a lot of potential to be incredibly wrong here. That's why I prefer Jerry Judy, because even if you get it incredibly wrong, you're still not terribly off with, uh, terrible off with the 22-year-old player who's had some good signs. Um, but Cortland Sutton, even with a top 24 season on his record, if it goes bad next year, you're just kind of holding that. Like, I don't think there's many chances to get out of it. But I, do, I think it's worth it. I honestly do. So I'm in. Like, if uh, if 
that matters. If you try it or you've already tried it and you need someone to blame, by all means, come on me on Twitter. I will own it. Like, I am. So, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. Sorry. Several rambling versions of this podcast lately. That's kind of the feel of 2022, though, especially with these trades and this rookie class. It's very much a feel your way through it. By all means, go through it all, but then trust your gut. Um, All right. Hope you're having a nice day. Sorry, this is a long rambly one, and uh, I'll get a guest to stop that as soon as I can. Hope to see you on the live stream for the Dynasty Grime with uh, Zach Reed and Dynasty Outhouse, maybe for the last time for a little while, because both of them have other obligations, so come join us on Wednesday at 9.30pm. We'd really appreciate it and love to see you and, uh, or talk to you, because, you know, you'll see me. Anyway, you know how live stream works. See you next time. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that I like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.